Hey babes and bows, this is the BBs. I'm Hannah. And this is Heidi. And we're the Asian American big sisters that you've always wanted from the Bay and Chicago areas. Hi BBs. Wishing everyone a happy belated Valentine's Day or Galentine's Day. Love was in the air for a lot of people this past week and we want to bring the love to our episode and talk about love languages. So if you currently don't have someone special in your life or a boo, don't <laughs> click out because love languages don't have to only apply to romantic relationships. They can also affect how we perceive friendships and family dynamics as well. So whether you're single or taken, there's definitely something interesting you can learn about yourself by identifying what your love language is. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you want to start off by talking about how we spent Valentine's Day? Yeah, we spent right. it at work. <laughs> yeah, we don't get that day off, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, we spent it with clients. Damn. I mean, I think I wore pink that day to sort of celebrate, but it was pretty uneventful. The day itself, it was a Monday after work. I just watched The Bachelor and had some chocolate and that was pretty much it. But as a Galentine celebration, I watched Marry Me and got a Galentine's Day lunch with nice pasta. So got my friend love. How about <laughs> you, Hannah? I also worked, um, mm -hmm. had a one-on-one -on -one with one of my project leaders. So that was a lot <laughs> of fun. Um, How cute. <laughs> right? But uh, after that, you know, I've been at home alone this past week. My parents who are normally there are on vacation uh, somewhere in the US. So I was like, I don't wanna cook for myself today. So I'm gonna go order some Korean fried chicken. So hey. I went and I picked myself up some banchan. Yeah, and I had a little bit of wine because it seems right to drink wine on Valentine's day. Mm -hmm. And then um, my boyfriend and I recorded like a joke podcast episode that's never going to get published uh we just did it for funsies but that was Aww. a nice way to do something outside of like a just a facetime you know yeah you should let our fans or our listeners know what your boo got you for valentine's day because that was very thoughtful yeah yeah it was a very thoughtful gift so he actually got me a microphone hey, yeah 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 <laughs> can y'all hear the difference <laughs> Yeah, so if our audio is sounding crispier, crispier, mm. crisper, and Crisp. cleaner, that's the reason why. Hell so. yeah. Yeah, we both got new microphones. Okay, we got some feedback that our audio was kind of shitty. We listened to all <laughs> our feedback. So we now sound like oh apples, hella crisp. But hopefully you guys are picking yes. up the quality elevation <laughs> yeah no more iphone quality audio we are uh, we've bought microphones now we've we're invested in this now yeah <laughs> how did the way you celebrated valentine's day this year how is it different compared to in the past i think when we were younger it was a lot more fun I miss receiving candy grams or Valentine's Day cards or picking specific Valentine days, Valentine cards for my best friends or boys that I didn't really mind in class. And you know how you like rank what kind of card each person gets or 
Mm-hmm. So I thought that has that was always cute. And since I've been single 96% of my life, Valentine's <laughs> Day has always had a slight sting whenever I saw couples doing couple things on campus when I was in college or going to the grocery store and I see like chocolate covered strawberries or flowers. Um, but in the last few years, if I, as I've gotten more comfortable with myself, I actually don't mind the holiday as much anymore and make my own spin on it or choose the level of importance I want. Because at the end of the day, it could just be another day for some people. And it could be a celebration of however you want to celebrate. So it is really up to you. What about you, Hannah? For me, Valentine's Day has gotten less and less exciting as I've gotten older. Um, It was just a lot more fun as a kid to get candies, Mm -hmm. get Valentine cards from people in the class. Um, But, you know, even to this day, I don't consider it to be like a silly or dumb holiday because I feel like some people who don't like Valentine's Day are like, oh, it's just like a dumb excuse to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) They call them out, Yeah, I don't think it's dumb. I think it's cute. I think it's important to celebrate love, whether Mm -hmm. it's to your friends or your spouse or your partner. But I will say, if I were to rank all of the holidays, like Valentine's Day would not make the top five or seven. It'd probably Mm -hmm. be in the top 10, but it's also because like, I don't think there's more than like 15 holidays (laughs) in the year. So yeah, for me, it's like Christmas is most important. And so is Thanksgiving and New Year's and Halloween and all those all of the like holiday holidays mm-hmm. um and then valentine's day is kind of low on my holiday tier list mm-hmm. um and i think especially because i'm pretty non-existent on social media i don't really mm-hmm. see the couple posts mm-hmm. so yeah i just you know whether you're showing off your boo or <laughs> showing off your valentine's day dinner i i'm not seeing any of that stuff <laughs> but you know at the end of the day love is love and it deserves to be celebrated so that's why we're talking about love languages today. It's important to know how you like to be loved and how the people in your life like to be loved. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Heidi, what are love languages? What are love languages? So think about what you typically complain about in a friendship or romantic relationship. And so that could be closely related to your love language or what you find lacking. This love language concept is from Gary Chapman. He is a marriage counselor. And after 20 years of helping married people, married couples salvage their relationships, he realized that as people come in all shapes and sizes, so do their personal choice of expressing love. So it describes the ways that people receive and express love in a relationship. But we also feel that this is applicable to platonic relationships too, to an extent. And we'll talk more about that later. And so his five love languages include acts of service, aka actions speak louder than words. But this can quickly turn into things like household chores and suddenly you become a minute maid. But it's more of acts of servitude. So ways that you or your partner would really appreciate with you. Maybe it's taking the reins on planning a night out proactively taking care of something you know that they dread or simple gestures to take something off of their plate. And then we have gift giving. So not so much the price tag or quality of a gift, but the thought or gesture behind it. Then we have quality time. So giving the other person your undivided attention without your cellular device. 
And then next we have words of affirmation. So giving compliments, digging into thesaurus and being creative with your words. And last but not least, we have physical touch. So that can, um, it can be a big spectrum, whether you like to be bedazzled <laughs> in real hugs or honest touches. Yeah, like a nice elbow touch or a touching someone's the back of their hand. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about like, here? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Petting the hair. <laughs> Are we animals? Uh, I wish. All right. We thought it'd be cool to take the love language test and uncover what makes us feel most loved. And uh, we did take this quiz from the perspective of how we like to receive love rather than how we like to express love, because depending on how you look at these questions, your results could be different. So we wanted to be, we wanted to use the scientific method and be consistent. So we're looking at it from how we like to be loved. Shall we get into the results? Yes, what did the test god say? All right, so the test gods told me that 33% of my love languages come from words of affirmation. Uh-huh. 27% is coming from quality time. Mm-hmm. I got 23% from acts of service, 13% from receiving gifts, and then 3% from physical touch. I do not Thank like you. to be touched, apparently. <laughs> what about you? Very similar. We only had quality time and access service flip-flop. So my mm-hmm. love language quiz result said that 30% of my love language is from words of affirmation, 27% acts of service, 23% quality time, 17% receiving gifts, and then likewise, 3% for physical touch. So when we took the quiz this time around, I felt that I was being the most true to myself. So I actually agree with the results. Was there anything that you felt surprised to discover about these Mm -hmm. results? You know, when I'm being honest with with myself, not too surprised because I'm a needy bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember when I took this test back in college, I subconsciously chose answers that weighed more on acts of service and quality time because that's what I wanted my love language to be. But if I'm being honest with myself, I realized that where I'm most insecure about is where I need the most love. So for example, growing up, I was always seeking affirmation and validation from my parents, but I didn't really get that. So as I've gotten older, I've realized how much meaningful words do to me and how much a lack of meaningful words can just flip my day upside down. It's pretty crazy. And I also always felt that words of affirmation or receiving gifts seemed less valuable or worthy. So I didn't want to bucket myself into liking those aspects, but girl, (laughs) I do. And I actually would give more weight to physical touch because the questions that were asked in the quiz revolved more around public display of affection. Whereas Mm -hmm. I still want the physical touch, but just not for everyone to see. (laughs) So I feel like PDA makes other people watching uncomfy and it makes myself uncomfy no offense (laughs) to the people that do love it but that's just um how I feel and petition for food to be a love language I think that's I think honestly I think that would be my top 
love language food. Going back to what you said about food being a love language, like I know technically it's considered in like acts of service to like buy food or like make food, but I agree. It's like, it's important, especially for a lot of cultures mm-hmm. where like food is really important. I mean, like you've all heard that Asian parent thing where they don't tell you they love you, but they leave they sliced fruit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good point you made. I think <laughs> I agree with you. Food should be its own language of love. For me, I also was not that surprised with the results. Um, I love getting words of affirmations from my friends and loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is my top love language. So to this day, whenever someone says something to encourage me or uplift me, whether it's like my BFF or mm-hmm. even like my manager or someone I, I work with, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, thank you for doing this. You know, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. To this day, I still get so emotional and like a little bit bashful because it really does mean that much to me um Mm -hmm. i want to give a shout out to my best friend from college so she shout out shout out (laughs) you must be listening (laughs) i I don't know if you're listening but if you are you know she used to tell me all the time and she still does tell me this pretty frequently especially if i'm having like a down day she'll always say something like hannah you're so smart you're capable you can get stuff done you can Mm -hmm. do anything that you put your mind to Mm-hmm. And I literally want to cry <laughs> whenever yeah. she says stuff like that, because mm-hmm. it's just nice to hear that from your loved ones. Um, and for me, especially, I, I feel like I have a hard time telling myself that mm-hmm. most likely due to lack of affirmations growing up. Right. Um, so, yeah, it just means a lot. And then, like, it makes me think how I will balance giving out enough affirmations to my kids in the future if I have any kids. Because I noticed that when, you know, you don't get enough affirmations growing up, you have lower confidence or like you're most more self-conscious as an an adult. And I'm Mm -hmm. speaking from my personal experience. So, yeah, yeah. words of affirmation, not surprised that it's it's way up there. And I'm also not surprised to see quality time up there, too, because um, it, it means a lot when people take time out to to hang out with me and Mm -hmm. this could just be my introverted mind coming out but i am personally pretty protective of how i spend my time because Mm -hmm. you know spending time with too much too many people for too long of a time really drains me but Mm -hmm. maybe this is like less of an issue for extroverts because they just like being around people like they become energized there physical touch is the last for me as well not surprised there didn't get a lot of a physical touch growing up so yeah it all makes sense do you think that our love languages change as we grow older that is a great question I personally think yes and the reason why I say yes is because and I'm speaking for myself only Mm -hmm. but when I grew up and got a little bit more mature, mm-hmm. I place less importance on things like gifts. Mm-hmm. And now I care more about quality time spent with the people I love. And maybe this has to do with like, as you get older, you realized how mortal you are and how <laughs> like life is short and time is really important over other things. Time um, is of the essence. God damn. Exactly. I feel like every year that we get older, the years just pass by faster and faster. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it's really scary to think about, but Um, But I almost feel like our experience with love languages when we're young end up shaping what they become as we get older. Like, for example, if we never spent a lot of quality time with family as a child, that could be 
something that we really crave as an adult mm -hmm. or on the flip side it could also have the opposite effect like for example i didn't receive a lot of a lot of physical touch or i never saw a lot of displays of love mm -hmm. um so as an adult i don't like pda and i don't like physical touch as much because i didn't have a lot of exposure to that as a kid and i'm not used to seeing it mm -hmm. yeah i want to touch on the parents not showing physical love to each other because same <laughs> I have never seen my parents kiss or hold hands, maybe like a half-assed hug here and there, <laughs> like at the airport when one, one of them is going back to Asia or something. For like months. For like months, yeah. But it makes me want to show that kind of affection and love to my future kids if I have any, um, because I think it's important to show your children what a healthy marriage looks like and not that a marriage without PDA is bad, but I just personally prefer one that celebrates it and isn't afraid mm -hmm. to show it in front of loved ones. And it doesn't mean like making out in front of your kids, <laughs> but like, I don't know, like a cheek peck or like whenever someone's going to work or leaving the house, like giving them a hug. I feel like that should be normalized, especially in the Asian culture or when we pass it on to future generations. Yeah, that's so true. And I completely agree with you. Um, it's like showing your kids that it's okay to be affectionate because mm -hmm. when you are so closed off, it can come off as like feeling like it's, it's taboo to express affection like that. And so going back to my original question <laughs> so do our love languages change as we grow older I think so because perhaps when we're younger we seek physical touch whether it be hugs or hand holding in elementary and middle school but as we grow older and our priorities change so does the bandwidth of our time like you said and how much mm -hmm. time or money we can offer so as adults we have to juggle a job taking care of ourselves or other people taking care of your house or cleaning your apartment, getting groceries, hanging out with friends or visiting family, whatever it is, time is just a more precious love commodity than let's say saying a few words or sending a nice text. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Like time is a huge constraint for a lot of people and mm -hmm. like words are not a constraint for a lot of people, <laughs> especially people who love to talk. But also, as you mentioned, Hannah, words. I just just want to do a little detour here and maybe okay, there's some I'm all for detours. Some listeners will relate. But do you think that there are different levels of I love you's in text? I want to hear your perspective and then I'll share my perspective. Yeah, um I do. Like <laughs> ILY like illy is the most casual form of I love you. Right. Whereas I L O V E space Y O U <laughs> period is period. like the most <laughs> impactful or, or emphatic form of I love you. Whatever mm -hmm. is in between, it's kind of I don't know. I don't have a way to rank all the different I love yous in between like I love ya. I mm -hmm. L U V space right. U. Um, those are all kind of settling in the same place for me there. Yeah. But I definitely know like my lower end and my higher end. What about you? I don't know what it is, but whenever I get like illies, I'll I L Y or I love yous when it's not typed out fully, it's like, wait a second, why are you diminishing your expression of love to me? 
when mm. previously, like you were typing in full words, full sentences, and at the very end, you like pluck this in just to kind of like show that you do love me but not really because you didn't really put in the full effort so it's like you're putting it in just to put it in versus if you say it I feel like you should just say the damn thing like Mm -hmm. why are you taking bits and pieces out of it and um shortening the importance of it but maybe I'm just like I don't know this is uh (laughs) I think that's totally valid but I am guilty of always shortening shortening it, um, especially to like my friends. Cause I'm like, are they gonna, okay. My reasoning behind why I shorten it sometimes is like, if I come at you with an, I love you, they're gonna be like, the hell? Like, does she have a terminal <laughs> disease? Like, is she okay? I don't know. So I feel like I always try to like make it more casual by throwing out OU and just doing yeah. Y-A, <laughs> but yeah. that's just me. <laughs> that's like my rationale or my thinking behind it. It's like, I don't want to come off as too, too strong, too strong. And that's you know? fair. Maybe it's like my insecurity <laughs> coming through, but. No, that's totally fair. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just how the way we were brought up and we don't really mm-hmm. hear I love you's. And when it does get said to us, like, I, I don't know. I want it to mean something more. And when mm-hmm. people um, half-ass it, it's like, then might as well don't don't tell me because you're half-assing it. <laughs> but maybe, like you said, they're not half-assing it. They're also they also have their own considerations. But anyway, off track there. <laughs> that was a good that was a good detour. I like that detour. Take me more. <laughs> take me on more of these detours. <laughs> Do you ever feel like some people might be ashamed to admit that a certain love language is their top language? Like, for example, gifts. 100%. People are ashamed to admit that their love language is gifts because, come on, bitches don't want to be seen as materialistic, but mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with being materialistic to an extent. Um, receiving gifts has a negative connotation in my mind, but I feel like it needs more love because it depends on what kind of gift it is. And sometimes it's a hit or miss. When it's a hit, it makes my heart flutter and I feel warm for the entire week, but when it's a miss, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? Like (laughs) with this clothing, (laughs) like it it becomes annoying because a, I don't like it. B it becomes clutter and C I never asked for it. (laughs) So it can have a negative, like an inverse effect. Unfortunately, when somebody half asses a (laughs) gift and I'm not trying to sound ungrateful here. I'm just talking about like, you know, you just throw you like re-gift something yeah it's obviously not something that you picked out for that person and it shows it's kind of just like well I'd rather you know just have (laughs) received a card and not anything else because yeah at least the card you put like your original thoughts and words into it Mm -hmm. um but I I totally agree with you here Heidi actually I'm gonna go on a little detour of my own (laughs) but I think you're really good at giving gifts you know what I think so too I'm So I want to, I want to <laughs> tell our our listeners about a time when Heidi 
gave me a gift that I Aww. use all the time. Um, she gave me a Lululemon belt bag for my 25th <laughs> birthday. And the funniest mm -hmm. thing is my birthday is in January. And in November, I was slacking this girl. <laughs> when I say this girl, I mean this girl, Heidi. And I was like, oh, should I get this Patagonia belt bag or should I get this Lululemon belt bag? She was like, I was going to get you the Lulu belt bag for your birthday. I was like shocked. I was like, my birthday's not till January. I was like, you're already thinking about my birthday gift? Like, I felt so flattered. But then she ended up giving it to me or like buying it for me then and there because, you know, she's like, I don't want you to have to wait to get it. And if you yeah. already, the cat's out of the bag, so, you know, <laughs> might as well um, just ship it over. And I love that bag. Like, I have it with me here today. I brought it into the Aww. office. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so nice to receive something that you already wanted for yourself and right. the other person can see that you'll use it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Gifts are hard and it's, I feel like you have to reach a certain level of friendship where sometimes you can just say like, dude, what do you want for your birthday mm -hmm. or Christmas? Like, just tell me. Cause I would rather spend money on something that's useful than like guessing and then like you have to fake liking it or I have to fake liking receiving whatever gift is um, mm -hmm. gifted to me. It just takes out all the assumptions out and everyone's happy, even though the surprise component is isn't as big. But I'm okay to like leave out the surprise component if it's not going to end up being clutter. Right, because right. like if you get something that you will probably never use, it's like you don't want to get rid of it because it just feels wrong getting rid of a gift that someone bought you. But at the yeah. same time, it's like I'm not ever going to use something like this. Mm -hmm. And I also think when you talked about cards, Hannah, I think that's mm -hmm. why I love receiving handwritten notes or cards in lieu of actual gifts because it encompasses many different love languages for example it's a type of gift and it can hold words of affirmation and Ooh. it took time for the other person to sit down so you're hitting three birds in one stone yeah. so i feel like yeah i love getting cards but it also okay here's the thing i feel like i'm so picky i like receiving cards but it has to be cards with like actual sentences in it not just like one or two the name it's the words that's important not the actual physical card right yeah right, going back to words of affirmation damn I'm calling myself out exactly oh I was gonna say if you you know how some couples or friends will write little like coupons and yeah, they'll be like yeah, oh yeah. if you know cash this in for me to vacuum or something <laughs> like that that's how you could hit four birds or in one stone and if you offer a massage ooh. Five. All, all, all the love one. languages Dude, covered just like that. Coupons, I feel like, are so cute. Like the epitome of, like you said, all love languages, probably one of the best gifts you can receive. Right, because you could write a little thing for everything in there. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anyone who's listening needs a gift for their boo <laughs> or bae. <laughs> Coming up, a coupon book. And I also feel differently when I receive gifts from friends or loved ones on a different income level. Somehow my more generous friends are the ones that earn less than friends that have a higher income. And the same mm -hmm. goes for partners. So you can have a partner that makes big, but <laughs> if they're hella stingy and will only spend a penny on you or always keeping tabs on like who paid for what, 
like that makes you feel icky or like less loved versus someone who is willing to like budget for you or expand their budget for you. And, you know, it's not to sound materialistic or anything like that, but in that situation where you know that somebody maybe makes a little bit less money, but they're still going out of the way to like get yeah. you a good gift. It, mm-hmm. I don't even think it's like the actual gift or like the price of the gift that matters. It's the fact that they were willing to go the lengths to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of on an unrelated note, that comment or this this point you made about you know stretching the budget for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently got a late birthday gift from Aww. my friend in Oregon, and another she another shout out. Yeah, okay. Who we shout Sophia, out? Sophie, my girl Sophie. Sophie, I love you, you listening to this? <laughs> Probably not. But if you are, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but you know, she shipped something to me through USPS, so it's not like she Aww. ordered it from a website and got free shipping. Like she right. spent ten dollars to ship it through USPS. And like that extra effort just made me, I just appreciated it, appreciated it a lot because she went through the extra steps to like pay more for it, to go to the post office, to ship it. Um, That extra effort means a lot. For sure. Like she didn't just pull out her laptop, move her fingers around to do some online shopping. Homie, I don't know, she drove her car to the USPS post office, waited in line. Pull out her credit card. Oh, God bless you, Sophie. (laughs) That's so sweet. You know, that's a good segue to my other thought about gifts. I think the consistency of gift giving also plays a dynamic role in friendships. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. But like, there are some friendships where we've started out gift giving for Christmas and birthdays, like every single year, like we do not miss it. But then as the years of friendship increased like suddenly it just stops and you're like so okay with it because I don't know you reach like a different level of comfortability and understanding that becomes like yo you really don't have to give me a gift no more like you're stuck with me for life and like if you really need something just let me know and I'll give it to you like you don't have to wait (laughs) until it's like your birthday or Christmas um so I think that's interesting like maybe you like the friendship evolves or you both become more mature And there are other ways of loving that compensate and fill the gift giving void. Yeah, you hit that point where it's like, okay, I don't want anything for my birthday or for Christmas. I just want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're just like hitting another friendship milestone there. Yeah. So Heidi, do you think our love languages are the same with friends and with a partner or are they kind of different? Hmm. Kind of different, not entirely the same. I think there's a fine line of burden, I want to call it, that we feel more comfortable putting on a partner versus a friend, even though best friends can be seen as family. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had to rank the love languages for friends, I think I would still rank words of affirmation at the top, perhaps switch quality time and acts of service so that quality time becomes second. And then gifts and then physical touch because for acts of service, I feel more guilty and bad about having to trouble a friend to help me with something, even though he or she will gladly do it. I still feel guilty about it and will feel the need to repay them back in a way. It's almost like tabs are being kept and like, if Mm -hmm. I don't know, like if I do more acts of service for 
said friend, then I almost feel like, hmm, like should this be returned or yeah, vice versa. I I feel the same way. Like I'm more comfortable demanding more from a partner than from a friend. Mm -hmm. Like if I were super busy and even my best closest friend offered to run errands with me, I would still say no because I'm like, yeah. I don't want you to do that. It's not your job. Yeah, you, and you got better things to do. Things to do. Yeah. Exactly. But with a partner, it's a little bit different. Why do you think it's different? Um, you know, going back to the I don't know if it's biblical, but <laughs> because marriage vows. Marriage vows. Because I guess your partner is supposed to be with you, quotes, through thick or thin. So we would hope to be more comfortable about asking for help and girl asking for help can be a whole other thing. Like that, yeah. that maybe we um, girls deal with, or I don't know, anyone deals with, but perhaps that, or what is your hypothesis? Yeah. My hypothesis, I feel like, and I mean this in a non and non-toxic and non-codependent way. Mm-hmm. Like once you get to a certain level with your romantic relationship, you kind of start to see that person as an extension of yourself or mm-hmm. you start to think of yourself as like one collective unit. Right. So then you're more okay with demanding more from them cuz it's almost like you're demanding more from yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Totally. I mean, like when you're with a partner, it's like you're both working towards something. Like you said, you are seen as one. So if it's Mm -hmm. my problem, then it's your problem. And if it's your. Hey, BBs, a mid episode break to say thank you for still tuning in. If you are enjoying this week's episode, please give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts leave a review or send us a voice message. All right, back to the episode. Moving along, Hannah, do you receive and express love the same way? I can say for sure that I do not receive and express love the same way. And uh, I think this is why when I took the love language test in college, I actually got gifts as my top love language because my dumb ass was thinking about it from the perspective of how I like to show my love or express my love, but not necessarily how I like to receive it. Mm-hmm. So now my my top love language is words of affirmation. But if I were to go out and there and express love to others, I would probably rank it number one, acts of service, mm-hmm. and then gifts and then quality time, and mm-hmm. then words of affirmation would be fourth, and mm-hmm. then physical touch is always last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is because I didn't get a lot of practice when I was younger giving out words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, Asian families are not exactly the best at showing emotions, um, but my family in particular was really good at showing love through acts of service, like mm-hmm. sending me to and picking me up from extracurricular activities and cooking and expressing love through food and nutritious meals was a big one. And then again, cutting that fruit. This is a universal Asian experience. Um, So I think that my exposure to all of those various acts of service ingrained in me that I should try to show my love through, um, you know, giving acts of service to others. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see this pattern emerge for me where it's like the love language that I did not get a lot of growing up. I start Mm -hmm. to crave that as an adult. Mm -hmm. And then the languages that I did get a lot of growing up, 
I feel the most comfortable expressing that to others. Oh, <laughs> no, that's a good revelation. And I totally see that in you, Hannah, like acts of service. I mean, like back in LA, oh, we celebrated Galentine's together. And I remember like we would, we ordered Domino's. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. We got like the heart-shaped pizza. I remember that. <laughs> and even just like, like I could have gotten the pizza by myself, but like you came with me to get the pizza, you know, like I thought that was cute. <laughs> was that an act of service though? <laughs> like I, I could have gotten it by myself before you came over, but you wanted to come with me. So I was like, okay, keep company. Mm-hmm. I think that's cute. What yeah. about you? Is it the same the way you receive and express love? Uh, yes and no, but mostly yes. I feel that there's no black and white answer to this because it also depends on the nature of the friendship or relationship. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about friendships, the majority of my friendships are long distance, like the one with Hannah. So I feel like words of affirmation, like writing meaningful messages and being more responsive to their texts and just continually reaching out and staying connected is how I express my love. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, for friends that are maybe a car ride away, I'd say quality time is more of how I express my love, especially now that we're older. If I clear my schedule out for you or or if I make time to do something with friends, that's how I express that I care and love you because time is so limited in our day-to-day lives now. And I'm also an extreme introvert. So if I welcome you into my inner world, then I'm showing love to you. Yeah. And it also makes me wonder if that's ever caused like a lost in translation moment when maybe your love language didn't align with your friend or your partners maybe due to these differences in your personality or differences in the way you like to receive love yeah talk about let's talk about that lost in translation I like that have you ever Mm -hmm. experienced that when your love language didn't align with your friend or partners or family I would say yes uh typically with my mother all the time (laughs) and I love my mom she the best, she is. but <laughs> my top love language is words of affirmation. But, you know, growing up, I didn't get a lot of praise or encouragement like that because you know how Asian families be, they're like, oh, I don't want mm-hmm. my kid to get an inflated ego or sense of self or feel like they're doing so well already. So they start slacking or putting in no effort going forward. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that's what my experience growing up was like um Mm -hmm. and apparently behind the scenes my mom was in fact super proud of me and always you know gas me up to our family members but she never said any of this to my face and I feel like a lot of arguments resulted over this lost in translation moment Mm -hmm. right I totally feel that and the same goes for the words I love you and we mentioned this er a little earlier like yes we know our moms love us whether it be, I don't know, staying up at night or Mm -hmm. making food or whatever the heck, or like when my dad wakes up early to help shovel the driveway when it snows and I have to rush somewhere. And this is stupid, but when I'm on social media, say Facebook, for example, and when I see like my friend's parents boast about them on the interwebs, Mm-hmm. And when I see that kind of content on a bad day, I somehow forget that my parents are proud of me because I don't see it on display. 
But it's funny because I honestly wouldn't want that broadcasted on the internet. So it's a bit of a hypocritical feeling. But like you said, because it's not shown in front of us or we don't hear it with our own ears, we forget that it actually happens. Would you say that this is something that you would do differently if and when you were a parent? Uh, Good question. Honestly, (laughs) I feel like I would still like not be active on Facebook. And like, and then maybe train my, not train, um, empower my kids to be more confident so that they don't need to rely on digital affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be, be more confident in themselves so they don't have to rely on anything else because I don't want to be active on social media when I'm 40. <laughs> Another loss in translation moment that I feel like I've experienced is when I have friends who really like spending quality time together all the time. As an introvert, Mm -hmm. we've talked about this quite a bit already, but it's it's tough for obvious reasons um, when you can't give them that level of energy and time that they're desiring from you. Yeah, plus one, especially because we're so protective of our time, there's a limit to how much time we even wanna spend with others Mm -hmm. while still protecting our own energy and feeling recharged rather than drained after a hangout and then there's like resentment of like dang why did I go hang out with this person like I could have done something else alone yeah I I feel like this is a really easy area to feel that disconnect because even though you still really love those people and care about them you I mean I just can't give away all my time like that so it's definitely tough sometimes balancing like your interests and their interests but I feel like the real friends know that and mm-hmm. they will respect it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We want to talk about a Netflix show that hopefully maybe some of you have heard about, and it exemplifies a perfect example of how love languages can speak louder than physical attraction, and that is love is blind. And you want to kind of describe what love is blind is? Yes. So if you haven't watched the first or second season of Love is Blind, run, go watch it. It's so dramatic. It's so good. So basically, uh, the show, it's a reality show. And there are a bunch of men and a bunch of women. And they will sit in these pods where they don't get to look at the person that they're talking to. So a female will be matched with a random male participant. um, And they just talk through these walls. And all they can see is the inside of their own pod and all they can hear is the other person's voice. So they start to make that love relationship connection just based off of their conversation. So it takes that physical attraction uh, completely out of the equation and just forces them to fall in love based off their personality and their values and like their senses of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, oh, after they decide you know, after talking in the pause, like, I want to marry this person, they will literally propose. Yeah. And without having ever seen the other person. And then they do like a big reveal, like after, um, or during the proposal, they'll reveal what the other person looks like. And then, oh my God, it's so funny seeing their reactions. Cause like half of them are like, oh my gosh, like you're so gorgeous. But then I feel like there's some who are kind of disappointed. (laughs) trying to hide their disappointment yeah yeah. and they keep telling themselves like it's not important what they look like like I am physically attracted to him or her I'm like yeah keep telling yourself that Jessica (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, I kind of miss Jessica. Like, dude, Jessica really a- was funny. She, yeah, she had got some, got some heat and some hate, but I honestly wish, hope that she's doing well. Um, yeah. But we wanted to bring this up because we're reflecting and thinking about like, oh, can, like, would we be able to love someone without seeing them? And the show's experiment, it's just so fascinating to me because I like to think that I would be able to differentiate physical attraction from emotional connection. But at the end of the day, I feel like how long you have the mo- the emotional connection with another person plays a role because even though I may feel so emotionally connected with someone for a short period of time, and when I see them, I don't find them as, attra- as attractive, mm-hmm. I may start to bucket, bucket them into the friend category Mm, because there's really there's yeah there's not really a sunk cost yet and if there isn't already a foundation or experience of trials and tribulations with the other person I think it's easier for me to switch the light and move them into another category because you can also have emotional connections with friends but you're not attracted to them Mm -hmm. you know like you don't want to pounce on them if you know what I'm saying so (laughs) it's easy to put them elsewhere (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like if I were to go on this show, um, I will be totally honest. I, the physical attraction is quite important. And uh, I, I think, you know, even if I'm like so emotionally connected to somebody, I feel like if there was no physical spark there, in the end, it would not work for me mm-hmm. personally. I agree. And, yeah, it just like, well, we bring up this show because it makes you think, about the scenarios where, you know, maybe you've met this person where you're super connected emotionally and you're able to communicate your love to each other very well because like maybe your love languages are perfectly aligned and they give you exactly what you need and you're able to give them exactly what they need. But like, is that the end all be all? Like, is that enough to sustain a a long-term healthy relationship or do you need something else in the formula there? Mm -hmm. Something to ponder about. And uh, I was actually talking to my manager this week about Love is Blind. <laughs> he, was at, he was like, what did you do this weekend? Did you watch the Super Bowl? And I was like, hell no, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I was watching Love is Blind. <laughs> he was telling me about how Tinder is rolling out this new feature where it is essentially Love is Blind. Like you get matched with a random person. You don't get any pictures, no faces, and you don't get to hear like their voice or anything. It's just an anonymous icon a name, an age, and then you just start chatting with each other. What? Yeah, and then you can like um, decide to meet up and then it's like <gasps> a literal in real life love is blind reveal moment. <gasps> Isn't that wild? I don't think I could do that. I'm I just want you to do it. I want you to do it. <laughs> it all ties back to time. Like if it's not worth me going on a date and like taking an hour or two out of my day, then I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like a gamble. That's so interesting. What if it was somebody that you had been chatting with for like two months and you've never seen this person's face? You don't know what they look like, but like you really look forward to texting them or calling them. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know if you'd even experience this. I feel like you you have a more logical head on your shoulders, but I could see <laughs> other people like falling for somebody that they've never seen a picture of. And then you like meet up in person. And what if that person like falls short of your expectations. I wonder like how a person would cope with that emotionally when it's like you fell in love with the conversation, but you're not falling in love with 
the person the the, the shell <laughs> <laughs> the husk but that's a good way to put it the shell yeah oh yeah i don't think i could do it <laughs> It would be interesting. Like the longer you're talking, then I'm like, wait, are you a bot? But I think they would do the vetting, but I don't, I still don't think I would be able to. It does call into question like the security of such a feature. And, you know, I feel like it'd be um, like a serial killer's dream to be able to do that. Whether you're a lover of words or a lover of gifts, everyone's love language is unique and should be heard and seen. We are all human and want to be loved and feel loved. Nothing wrong with that. So let us know what your love language is and if you think another type of love language should be added, like food. We can't wait for you to tune in next week and a friendly reminder that you are all loved and worthy every single day. XOXO finger hearts. Bye-bye.